and I am the head of news at Healthform Zanzi, where we unpack the complex but cohesive relationship between our health and food. Joining me on this podcast, my colleague and co-sister, Sinesi Potom. Hey Lulz and to our listeners, welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. This podcast is a safe space where you do not need to suffer in silence with those medical shames. And every week, we will hold your hand as we unpack those ever so embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. So if you have trouble with a bothersome lump under your armpit or even pungent BO, no problem. You have tuned into the right podcast. We have less than eight weeks until we wrap up this dumpster fire of a year. While I personally cannot wait to wrap a bow on this year, I don't think we should be so negative, Lulu. I mean, we are the hosts of a podcast show where we really get to help people. Get a grip, sis. We have a friend in crisis in need to attend to. Let's get into it. Now, as our listeners do know, on every episode, we listen to a voice note, read a WhatsApp, or email message received from a Healthform Zanzi reader. Remember, your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name unless you want us to. Who is our friend in crisis this week, Sine? This week, we have a writing via mail from Port Elizabeth. Ananza writes, I never knew that men should get examined regularly, but this one time I just had this feeling inside of me that I need to see my doctor. I knew something was not right. I know men don't like to listen to their bodies, but my gut was telling me to go. I'm 42 and I have prostate cancer. I have a metastasis on my bones, lungs and lymph nodes. How do I carry on? This week we spoke to prostate cancer survivor David Lucas. Lucas, who is 64, has just celebrated his 10th year in remission. He is also an ambassador for the Cancer Association of South Africa and also launched a foundation where people get to donate money for a good cause instead of asking for gifts on their birthdays. Lucas also firmly advocates for early detection and encourages all men, young and old, to do regular checkups with their prostates. What are the most common misconceptions about cancer? Because we typically think of cancer, we normally tend to think that it affects women, you know, through breast cancer. But prostate cancer is almost always given very little or no attention. Yes, I think that is one of the misconceptions that we have, that cancer only affects females. Yes, I think there's a lot more of publicity given to female cancers because breast cancer is amongst men as well. However, some of the sort of anecdotal stories I've heard reads as follow, that all men will die of prostate cancer unless they die of something else. And that's actually a shocking situation. So if you live long enough, there is a good chance that you could get prostate cancer. We must not also forget there's other cancers as well with men, like I mentioned, breast cancer and testicular cancer, which is, affects young men more than that. I like what you said. Obviously, Lulu has highlighted that cancer is notoriously known for, well, affecting women. And when you said that chances of men dying of cancer are pretty high, it's quite shocking to me. Tell us, you know, more about your journey with prostate cancer. How did you find out? Take us back to those moments where you found out that you had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. 
Now, the situation that we normally expect cancer to present in a particular way, I'm going to have pain, particularly prostate cancer, people think that you're going to have pain, that you're going to be in a scenario where you actually will have this pain in your body, you will go to the toilet to urinate more, whatever. And in my case, that did not actually happen. And I am not the only example of that. Very often, it comes through without knowing. However, it is suggested, and I say at 40, the medical experts say from 45 onward, you should go to the doctor on a regular basis to have yourself tested. And I would refer to those elephants in the room a little later. But in my personal journey, in 2008 was the last time that I went to see a urologist to have my, myself tested for prostate cancer or have my prostate examined. The scenario is that I one day had, I felt that I started getting pain in my fingers and I thought it was arthritis. Went to see a medical doctor, a friend of mine, and we're having this long discussion about, you know, whether I have arthritis or not. And he turned around and said to me, come on, man, rubbish. You don't have arthritis. And I said to him, you know what? I know that the symptoms are there. I was a paramedic many years ago, so I think I know a bit about the medical symptoms I should have. And he said to me, nonsense, let us take bloods. Unknown to me is the fact that he actually took bloods for a PSA as well. And a PSA means a prostate-specific antigen. Now, that is a marker within the prostate, which means that if your prostate PSA level is raised, it means that there's something wrong, and it could be an indication of cancer. He phoned me back and he said to me, David, you know what? You've got no arthritis. You have what is known as gout, but, and here's the but, you need to go and see a neurologist. This is 2011. I went to see the urologist, and what they did was what they call a biopsy. So they put you under anesthetic. You lie there. They go into the prostate. They pinch a little piece of it off, send it to the labs. By the afternoon, you're out already again. He said to me that two weeks from now, if we have not received a problem from the lab, you come and see me in two weeks. If not, I will phone you. The day two weeks later, I stepped into the doctor's office, knowing very well nothing will have happened to me. To see what is known as oncologist, which is a medical doctor that works obviously with cancer patients, and he outlined the idea of what treatments we can. And the first idea was it is conservative, it is what is known as stage one. Stage two is obviously more difficult, stage three and stage four could very well be the final stage. But I can also say to you that most men that are diagnosed with prostate cancer, about 90 the recovery rate is about 90 plus percent. So we need to do what was known as brachytherapy. And it's a simple procedure. Again, you go on anesthetic and all that the doctor does, they plant little seeds, I would call it seeds of radioisotopes, which means it's like little seeds that will go into the prostate. It basically explodes for wanting of a better word and it kills all the cancer cells. We did that simple procedure. You walk in, you walk out, and I promise you that same afternoon, by three o'clock, I was out and walking around. However, this was not how it's going to be. The cancer had escaped out of the prostate. It went across the middle section of my body. Now, the next step. The next step would be radiotherapy. Again, a non-invasive therapy. Nobody pricks any needles in you. All that you need to do is you go to the center where they do the radiotherapy. You lie on the bed. They shine like a light through you. And that basically, again, radioisotopes that kills off the cancer at the end. Two years ago, I was cleared clean. 
I've been knowing cancer for 10 years of my life. But I want to emphasize, and I will keep on emphasizing, if it was not detected early, I would not have been here. I would have been dead. And I can assure you that this is what drives me today, that if I can save one other man's life, one other man that will listen to this and take this chance of going to a doctor and have himself examined, I would have achieved in my life what I would like to do. Mr. Lucas, what was then the most difficult part of your prostate cancer journey and what also did you do to help get yourself through it? I want the ladies that are listening to this to please, please, please listen. Please understand that we as men are taught that cowboys don't cry. We as men are taught not to stand up and show our weaknesses. We as men want to internalize our problems and we want to always speak about it. All I'm asking you, and my family was wonderful in that support. Often enough, just listen. And if he feels like talking about it, please give that ear. If he feels that he doesn't want to talk about it, please take it easy. But I want to give you assurance firstly to you as ladies that those three words are not a death sentence. Those three words are words that will make everyone sit up and stand up. My strong motivation comes out from the fact and I believe one thing that cancer patients are God's favorites. Because, you know, God gives cancer patients a chance to make a right with him, whatever you call God, with people around you, including your own family and other people around you. But ladies first, let me please ask you, your children in the family as well, that partner of yours may or may not want to speak. I want you just to try, you know, the fortunate part is women have a certain type of patience that men cannot have. And they have that empathy, that lovingness within them that they can understand. So please, all I'm asking firstly is the support. The second part of the question is, what was the most difficult thing? I was a member of the city of Johannesburg, a city councillor in the city of Johannesburg around 2011. And I remember I used to go to these radiotherapy sessions. And sometimes you used to go back to council and you sit there and you just feel so tired. Tiredness was unbelievable. You stand and it feels, I always used to liken it to when you stand and somebody just takes a ton of sand and just dump it over your head. And you're still standing, but you're just feeling tired. That when you go out there to the treatment, I actually walked in there and one day, I couldn't hold my wee in because you're supposed to drink water before the time to protect the bladder. And I just sat in that coffee. But I was very fortunate that I did not go for chemotherapy. And chemotherapy, unfortunately, has got its own disadvantages. However, it is life-saving. It's an opportunity to make right, but it's also an opportunity to increase your lifespan. As I say to you, 10 years later, I am still here. I'm so grateful to God that I can actually have the opportunity to see my grandchildren. I had a grandson born two, three months ago. And here we are still. My message to you would always be, please go and have yourself tested. Me, one of the biggest problems is many. If you allow me at this stage to deal with it, and that is the two elephants in the room, two elephants that men experience. One, if I go for a prostate testing, will I have to have what they call a digital examination, which means will the doctor feel into my anus? It is not necessary. It is not something that needs to be done. They can firstly take, they firstly take blood, and if the blood sample comes cleared back, there's no need for further examination. If it is necessary, he has to do a digital examination 
But my friend, it is your life, either life or a digital examination. Second elephant in the room for me, how is it going to affect my sexuality? Will I be able to perform as a man afterwards sexually? Because prostate cancer is not going to affect you physically any other way. It may affect you sexually if it was not caught early enough. My key word will always be early detection. If it's early detection, your sexual ability will still be there. I'm 64 years of age, and I promise you that I still have the sexual ability. Not shy to talk about it. It is something which is a reality in life. You can have a good life afterwards. Best part of cancer is you don't have to go on this binge now that I suddenly must give up on everything. In fact, it's more difficult to have diabetes. Because all that you want to do is cancer patients. You avoid certain things. And amongst them is abuse of alcohol, cigarette smoking, moderate training. You don't have to come become a gym junkie or anything like that. All that you need to do is be able to be out there and you will live many more years with your family. <laughs> God willing, but I believe in one thing, I'll probably die something else before cancer kills me. I'm probably going to live for a long, long time more than where I am. You know, it's amazing. Maybe we've got longevity. My family, my father and mother are both 86 years of age. And yes, we have longevity. My dad doesn't have prostate cancer. I was just an unfortunate person in the family. What are the stigmas associated with prostate cancer? What would you say to people who think prostate cancer is an old man's disease? I've been told that I still look pretty good for a 64-year-old. And you know what? I don't think that we should see it's an old man's disease. Guys, 40 years of age, if you have a history of cancer within your family, from 40 years, go and have an examination. From 45 years of age, if you have anybody in the family that has had cancer, go once a year to the doctor. Take the blood, and I can assure you, you do not even have to go to a doctor. If you feel uncomfortable, please. Cancer, the Cancer Association of South Africa, has got testing centers in most of the major centers in the Western Cape, KwaZulu Natal, Free State, Gauteng, every single province. There are centers. Please do me a favor, Google Cancer, and they have people that you can speak to. Trained people, there's probably also a cancer survivor. And they can give you the right advice. As I had mentioned before, the stigma for men is that one, sexual ability, detected early. Second one, the idea of a digital examination. My friend doesn't have to be a digital examination. All that they need to do is draw blood from. And I want to put a rider on this as well. Please do not forget. My friend, it is unfortunately so, but within racial categories, there are certain people that have higher incidence of prostate cancer. And black males across the world that has the highest incidence. It is not a particular group's disease. It is a disease for all people. But please take note that there are certain genetic traits that causes people to unfortunately certain groups to have more than the incidence of prostate cancer. It can be beaten. Our research shows that it is being beaten. I just wonder we might end up with that cancer-free society that we all dreaming of. Other incidents could be even diets as well. Mm. Right? But it is not South African based. It is worldwide based that people that come from the Negroid group of people tend to have more higher incidence of mm. prostate cancer. But the saddest part is that, like in most communities, but particularly in that community, a lot of people believe that it is not a disease that affects Black people. It's not true. And then I'd like to know from you, Mr. Lucas, you know, how has your experience through prostate cancer then changed you? As I say, I think, unfortunately, now, since 2020, I think more of us 
are aware of that life is not eternal. We're not here to live forever. Suddenly we've seen people around us dying. People will be out with one day. But then when it happened to me in 2011, maybe sit up and think, it's not a death sentence again. I had to learn that it's not a death sentence. I had to learn that if I look after myself and care for myself, it will make a difference in my life. I knew that I had to go and see the medical doctors. They are trained professionals, whether they're male or female, they know what they do. When I was diagnosed, the first thing I did was, and I didn't have to go that route, but I became a member of CANSA, the Cancer Association of South Africa, because I felt that with my the experience I'm going through, one, I need somebody to be able to talk to if I need that. And secondly, I felt that I could change somebody else's life. And when I say change that person's life, I can give, give advice. You cannot change somebody else's attitude, only they can change themselves. And my feeling is that I could now more to people to make them aware of what happens. It has made me aware that life is not finite. It made me aware that we are all part of a greater scheme of things. I'm a Christian, but I don't say that you need to be a Christian. But I think all people realize that they are greater spiritual beings. And I could realize that the fortunate part is there are people out there that want to support you. My friend, if you can't find it within your own family, within your circle of friends, please, I again want to emphasize there are organizations like Cancer around. There are organizations that want to assist you. There are people that want to listen to your story. There are people who are prepared to listen to your story and want to support you. We have actually started a group within cancer. We call it Men Supporting Men. Because, you know, unfortunately, men are not as open to talk about it. It'd be nice just to get together and have this conversation about ourselves. It's nice to get together. And it could be other things that we talk about. Men sometimes feel that they can't speak to one another. We can talk about money. We can talk about cars. We can talk about clothes. We can talk about girlfriends. But we're scared to talk about our own health. One of those opportunities where we want to talk about our own health. One of the opportunities where we can see what we need to do for ourselves. There's only one you in life. When you look in the mirror, that's the most important person. And if you're not going to look after that most important person, how do you expect somebody else? Remember, the Bible doesn't say that thou should love your neighbor without adding unto it as thyself. And that is one of the lessons that I was taught through cancer. I could look at myself. I must be proud of myself when I look into the mirror. I must be proud of being able to say that I am me with all my shortcomings. Be sure that you have done it for your family. You've done it for your wife, for your partner, for your children, for your mother, father, friends around you. You've done it. You have the guts to be a man. Stand up and say, I will have myself tested. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, David Lucas. Remember to check out the detailed article on prostate cancer and David Lucas's survival on healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send us an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. That's H-E-L-L-O at healthformzanzi.co.za. Or you can even send us an SOS to 076-132-0454. That's 076-132-0454. We will never blue tick you. Bye-bye. Uncle David has spoken, gents. Get yourself tested. Early detection saves lives and it could even save your libido. 
What's your take-home message this week, Sine? Stop acting like cowboys and cry for goodness sake. Men can be vulnerable too, and they're allowed to be. We have been through hell and back in this pandemic. Who still has time or energy to be strong? Jeepers, take care of yourselves. I love the emphasis on self-care from David. It is not just for women. Every young man should check themselves, care for their bodies, and look after themselves so they can look after those around them. We need to let go of these silly, outdated stigmas. Fathers need to have the freedom to talk to their sons about why to check and how to check. The stigma serves no purpose other than to prolong the time frame of access to care with diminished possibility of survival. That brings us to the end of episode 14 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. From me, Lulu Nakani. And me, Sinesipa Tom. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. Mm-hmm.